1: Another week, another farm system checked off this time. It's one of the most improved farm systems in Major League Baseball over the last year. It's the Cincinnati Reds. It's the call up. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And uh, Jack, this is a system that you and I have spent a lot of time probably just talking about off the air, right? Texts, conversations, just the fascination of what they've done over the last 12 to 16 months in terms of trades that they've made development of other guys. I feel like this has just been a a frequent topic of discussion for you and I has been this Cincinnati reds farm system with all the names and just all of the changes that there's been for the better over the last year or so. When you said
0: that you were working on the reds um, system and we were going to do the red system this week, I was like, haven't we already done it? But but then it started to click with me that, you know, we've only spent like 20 to 30 hours off air talking about the red system. We might as well put an hour in on air talking about the red system. Yeah, man. I mean, like we've talked about pretty much all of these guys over the course of the last year, because there's some of the best prospects in baseball. There's some of the best breakout prospects from this past season, or they are guys that moved at the deadline or this past off season or the deadline before that the reds and GM Nick crawl, have done a really, really good job of maximizing the value of each of their big league assets that they have moved. Tyler Malley, they moved him at his highest value. Luis Castillo, they moved him at his highest value. I think the same exact thing, if not to the nth degree higher, can be said about Jesse Winker, right? The only one that they kind of whiffed on was Eugenio Suarez, who tapped back into what they saw from him in 2018-2019. So they nailed every single departure of a veteran and their prospect returns are very indicative of that.
1: And a reason why you may have felt like we talked about this system a little bit more recently is because we have, we we did a mid season update on the reds and we didn't do mid season updates on every single farm system, but the fluidity of this system kind of required that the thing is enough has changed from that mid season update. And, you know, you talk about the trades, those acquired prospects even a lot changed with them over the last couple months of the season. So I'm excited to dive into that. The top 10 looks different, Um, but I I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jack, they really aced these deals. And uh, I think crawl has a clear plan and and I really like what he has done so far. Right. You know, we we, we are critical on the just baseball show of the Cincinnati Reds ownership, but a GM can only do so much as to what his ownership allows him to do. And for crawl, you really got to be perfect. We always talk about the Tampa Bay race. You got to maximize value. So they maximize the trade value going out, like you mentioned. And you got to hit on your prospect returns because every asset is that much more important to you when you're operating under, uh, let's just be honest with it, like a B-level amount of money, a B-level payroll. And I would say if we're talking about it in, in a major in league baseball scheme of things, as you make a funny face, it's more of a, a D or an F level of yeah. money in terms of what's being invested into this organization. And it's like, you know, we always use the premier league soccer or like the professional soccer analogies. It's like that third or fourth tier soccer team. You got to do everything right to be able to compete with those first division teams. And the red seem to be on their way to doing that. And I'm excited to talk about which of these prospects we feel like can kind of help push them over the top as they get to the final stage. I feel like of this rebuild, I feel like we're at, you know, the, the, if it's a five-year plan, I feel like we're entering year four, if that makes sense, even though it hasn't been that exact timeline.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I, we, we are 80% of the way done. That's it's a better real, way of putting it. Yeah. Right? So I'd actually say we're probably somewhere between 60 and 80 because some of the other guys like Noel v. Marte – hasn't played above high a Edwin yeah. Arroyo hasn't played above low a you just added an 18 year old in Cam Collier you just added a 19 year old and Sal Stewart right so yeah. I think that you still have some guys that have farther proximities so you could say that the rebuild is still ongoing but in terms of big league intrigue we're probably 80 percent of the way there because Eli yeah. de la Cruz is going to get his first cup of coffee in major league baseball this year as is Matt McLean as is Brandon Williamson. Connor Phillips might be there. Andrew Abbott might be there. We're going to talk about all these guys. Last thing I want to say on Nick Kral is he is quickly becoming a name in the front mm-hmm. office world that is almost transcending ownership. And, you know, so much of the conversation in Major League Baseball organizations is about ownership and the pool that they allow their executives to swim in. Right. So so much of the Billy Epler conversation with the Mets is about Steve Cohen. So much of the Alex Anthopoulos conversation is about Alex Anthopoulos. So that kind of shows you both sides of the spectrum here. Um, The guys that learn how to do it when they are cash strapped are the ones that almost transcend ownership. You think Tampa. Not many people know the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays name, but they do know Eric Neander, the GM, president of baseball operations. Andrew Friedman got his start in Tampa. Farhan Zaidi got his start in Oakland. Heim Bloom got his start in Tampa. So you've got all these names that come from very strapped situations, succeed in those situations, and there's the they are the ones that stick around for 20, 30, 40 years in front offices. Yep. As of right now, Nick Crawl is well on that path.
1: And I think if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, you know, I think the, the ship has sailed on on being me. I don't think anyone's holding out to hoping they're going to spend more money. I think the, the real hope here is. That you, have an organiza- that you have an organization that's going to start churning out front office execs because the system works and you have a new system put in place by, you know, somebody like Nick Crawl who seems to be approaching things really well. So let's start with the names to watch. As always, um, there's quite a few in this system. This is a deep, deep system, as we've talked about. Um, but, you know, we'll start with the names to watch. I'll fly through it. As always, Jack will fill in wherever he feels fit. We'll start with Alan Serda, a guy that I know you're going to fill in on. Uh, he was non-tendered, which is pretty crazy, but then immediately resigned. The Reds had had no interest in, in letting him. You know, go in minor league free agency, non-tendered because he was on the 40 man for a while. Uh, he's a guy that they wanted to protect from the rule of five and just hasn't pr- progressed uh, the way that you would have hoped. Uh, he's still tools, 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 big time, raw power, a monster arm. He moves pretty well. What frustrates me with Sarada is he started to really show signs of, of cutting down on the swing and miss, made that swing adjustment and end of 2021 and then seemed to fully regress in 2022. It was like he was yeah. trying too hard to to Push his way to the big leagues. Christian Roa, right-handed pitching prospect. Uh, This is another guy that – this is going to be a theme through this red system is right-handers battling injuries. Uh, Roa has battled injuries. He doesn't have great stuff. His fastball quality is pretty meh. But you know what? He put together a pretty good year last year, and I know that he's been a bit of a disappointment overall, given that he was a second round pick in 2020. But he pitched to a three five six ERA between high A and double A last year. His only pitch that I really see that is an above average pitch is a slider. But he does have three pitches that are fringe average off of that that you know he can mix in enough. He screams depth arm to me. Uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's good to have those guys in your system. Logan Tanner, catcher, who. You know, I think could make, make moves up the rankings of this system. He was just drafted in the second round, uh, had a really good sophomore year, and then a draft year that was not great after the yeah. College World Series hangover. Uh, but he's a well-rounded catcher that if he can you know, tap into power and continue to progress defensively, could be a really solid catching prospect. So that's a name to watch. Andrew Moore. Uh, kind of the overlooked piece right-hander in that Luis Castillo package. Moore is a reliever already. He's 24 and hasn't pitched above low A, but an upper 90s fastball. He's 6'5", has a good breaking ball. Uh, I think he could progress into a nice reliever. Victor Acosta, shortstop, hasn't played above the complex, came over for Brendan Drury, but he was a crown jewel in the international free agent class in 2021 for the Padres $1.8 million uh, signee there. He's very far off, but he legitimately has five-tool potential if it all works out. But we know how it works with the IFA guys. Austin Hendrick, big name. Uh, that's about it so far. 12th overall pick in the 2020 draft. He's been a major disappointment thus far. But Hendrick showed some flashes at the end last year. And I look, I don't want to give up on a 21-year-old yet with the kind of bat speed that he has, with the kind of athleticism he has. It was still an ugly year overall, but he did hit 21 home runs. He did get better at the swing and miss in the swing and miss department, which isn't saying much, but he did cut down on the whiff as the year went on for what that's worth. And at the end of the day, he's an adjustment or two away from maybe things clicking. He's very, very talented. Can't give up on a 21 year old like him with first round pedigree, Bryce Bonin data, darling. Guess what? Injury issues was off to a great start in high a right hander who, his season cut short in June, lively fastball plus slider. I think with the injury issues, probably long-term uh, a reliever. Uh, and I think that's probably the safest thing for him, even though he was looking like he could potentially prove himself as a starter. We'll see how the Reds want to navigate that. Levi Stout came over also in that trade with Luis Castillo. Uh, he is only started in the minor leagues, but this guy has to be a, a reliever. He could be a multi-ending reliever, but he's got to be a reliever. It's fastball yeah. slider. Fastball is flat but it's 93 95 the sliders plus it's a great pitch. And I actually think that that pitch can, can help him be a sixth or seventh inning guy. He commands it extremely well, Bryce Hubbard, a guy that I know you're going to, you like Jack left-hander. We haven't seen much of him. He's a third round pick upper eighties, but good data on the fastball and a good breaking ball showed well in a pro cameo last year. Joe Boyle can run it up to triple digits, but he has no clue where it's going. It's 20 grade command. I don't give out 20 grades on command very often. Jack um this was a, a really that, that's a really hard one to give out i really hate giving out 20 grades because i just feel like an asshole but like if you walk one out of, out of every five batters it's 20 grade command but guess what his stuff is off the charts and he's six seven so if he can even command it enough to to get the walk rate to 12 percent, he could be an elite closer but forget about him as a starter lion richardson Really, really talented arm. Hasn't pitched since 2021, coming back off of Tommy John surgery. Eric Loggenhagen of Fangraphs reported that uh, his stuff was up to upper 90s and some rehab stints. If that's true, that's big time. Um, He's got a really nice pitch mix. He's still just 23 years old. He had some success in in the lower levels before going down, and he's got five viable offerings. He could be a really well-rounded back end of the rotation starter. Finally, Jay Allen, he is a really athletic player that hasn't tapped into power yet. Very aggressive assignment. That was tough for him to handle. I think he's going to get, you know, another look in high A and if he taps into even average power, he's an above average runner. He can play good center field. His back to ball skills aren't bad. He's very raw. And I think if we, if we're patient with this guy, he could be a really, really solid player when it's all said and done again, gotta be patient. He is very, very raw and never really focused on baseball throughout his amateur career. And then Steve Hadger. Left-hander who's got great stuff. Sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it looks really diminished. It's because of the the shoulder issues that he's had on and off. Not bad enough to fully put him on ice for a year, but enough to where you see the velo fluctuate, the stuff fluctuate, and he would miss a couple starts here and there. He came over in that Tyler Malley deal. He's got good stuff, and I think that if Hadger's healthy, he could be a really nice pitching prospect that could turn into a back end of the rotation lefty. Uh, If his stuff can stay more in the 92 to 94 range, He's easily a top 15 prospect in this system, but at times it was tipping to the low 90s, even 89 because of the shoulder issues. But he's got a really good change up, or at least has flashed it. And I think he could be a nice pitching prospect. All right, Jack, the floor is yours.
0: So you worked bottom up. I'm going to work top down and try to say things that you didn't say about the guys that I know anything about. Steve Hadger, Michigan man, do with that information what you will. He took over after Tommy Henry and Jeff Criswell and Hatcher was pretty much the ace of the staff at Michigan. I thought that was a really nice pickup in the Malley deal to go get uh, a college lefty to compliment Chase Petty, right? Like it was high um, – I don't want to say, like, high-risk righty because we'll talk about Petty. Like, he's a lot less high-risk now. But at than the time, he West was definitely
1: high-risk. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so high-risk righty, you go high-floor lefty. Limited ceiling lefty, but high-floor lefty. Jay Allen is a freak athlete. Um, whether that translates to the baseball field entirely remains to be seen. Um, but he's still – you know, a younger guy that, you know, can develop. And it, it might just be a late bloomer scenario a la Matt Manning, right? Yep. Uh, Lion Richardson, when I saw him in 2021, I loved him. I, I thought that this guy had great feel for several pitches. You mentioned what, five viable offerings. Um, I saw at least three pitches, fastball slider change up, that I really enjoyed watching. The fastball can run up to high velocities. Um, and, and he seemed like a durable build Um, Obviously, durability is in question now, but if Lyon Richardson gets through a healthy 23, I think it's a good 23. Joe Boyle, 84 walks in 102 thirds innings. (laughs) That's 20 grade command. That might be 15 grade command.
1: Uh, Bryce Hubbard,
0: I'm a big fan of. Hubbard was almost as good as Parker Messick at Florida State. I think that was somehow they were underrated in college baseball, but I thought that was an elite pairing for the Seminoles. Literally, I week.
1: think just just Velo. It was the only thing that stopped Hubbard from being a first-round pick, which was just yeah. Velo.
0: And, and Messick, I thought Messick was a great pickup for Cleveland. I thought Hubbard was a great pickup for Cincinnati. Uh, I know Southern Miss had a great one-two punch at the top. I know Tennessee with Dolaner and another guy had a great one-two punch. But the guys that I liked watching on a Friday-Saturday were Messick and Hubbard. Uh, at Florida state. Cause they threw innings in yep. college um, stout. I don't know much about you. You've mentioned the two pitches. I get it. Bonin. I remember watching, but not that well, I guess I wasn't wowed enough to really remember Bryce Bonin. Austin <laughs> Hendrick is a guy that fascinates the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, Cause he is, he's if you took all the issues that Nolan Gorman has and you put them all on steroids. And that's Austin Hendrick, right? He can't hit the high fastball. He can't hit Velo. He struggles left on left. Right. I mean, like there are just so many problems here with Austin Hendrick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you love his headshot though. His headshot with the red eye black, the eye red in his draft photo. Like, I mean, his mom needed to tell him like, son, you look like an idiot. Let's figure this out. Um, Roa, I was impressed by. He seems like a high floor right-handed arm. And then Alan Cerda, I've got a soft spot for. He, he's got to figure out the swing and miss. He's got to figure out how to not hit 200. <laughs> like if he was a <laughs> 260 hitter, I'd feel great. But yeah. the thing is, he's a 200 hitter with an 800 OPS because he's
1: got a 360 OBP and he slugs. That's so- the thing is he showed patience, man. Like that's he's going to walk. If he's a 220 hitter, he's going to hit enough for right For enough power so, to, to be a relevant prospect.
0: Here's the thing. He's going to have a good OPS. He's going to play great defense. And he's going to steal bags. The problem is he strikes out and he hits 200. So it depends, depends how much you place
1: in uh, in batting average and in, in K rate. Right? It's funny because it's like there's times where he's patient. He doesn't expand the zone. And then sometimes he just swings out of his freaking shoes. And you're like, dude. Just just drive one up the middle for once. Like it doesn't have to be 480 feet, uh, but there's no in between with Serda. Hopefully, you know this coming year he'll kind of realize that he has to make those those little tweaks to to be able to survive at at the higher levels. But we'll start with the the next five, right? So this is prospects eleven to fifteen. Not really in any particular order, but. Generally, that's how we like to approach, but I can kind of tell you how they stack up. You know, Andrew Abbott to me was was pretty clearly prospect number 11 in this group, left handed pitching prospect that was a second round pick in 2021. And what's really funny is we talk about the the, the evolution of, of Chase Petty. Right. And we'll get to that further. But the evolution of Chase Petty going from hundred with big time reliever risk to you know looking like much more of a pitchability guy or at least more of a pitch to contact and and you know work through the, the lineup uh, and, and, pit, and get a lot of ground balls. Andrew Abbott was a pitchability guy, then saw his stuff tick up and now we've seen his command kind of take a half step backwards. He walked, you know, more guys than we would have expected, more than 4 walks per 9 last year. Uh, the fastball command specifically wasn't great, which is interesting. Uh, but overall, I thought I think Abbott has really Bolstered his prospect status as a second round pick that not a lot of people were really paying attention to out of UVA uh, fastball is, is low nineties. It's 90, 92 to 94, though. It used to be more than 89 to 91, Uh whole touch 95. It doesn't have shape that you would expect, meaning that like it gets on hitters really quick and he gets more swings and misses. But then when you look at the data, it's not like the 20 inches of induced vertical break. So to me, it's just one of those outlier fastballs, a little bit of deception, a little bit of just how it plays off out of his hand, and uh, you you can't really deny the results. I think this is an above-average fastball, no way around it. His best pitch is his curveball, though. It's a yeah. sweeping curveball that he commands better than his fastball, Jack. He landed a first strike more than his fastball. And I can't like, sliders, you'll see that. Curveball is not often. It's really hard to consistently land a curveball for a strike. What's interesting with Abbott is he'll manipulate it more to a slider as well, and he was able to use that as almost like a – a multifaceted pitch against both lefties and righties. He used it almost equally against lefties and righties, manipulated it a little bit, which allowed it to have success against both guys, you know, on both sides of the batter's box, both had an OPS below 600 on that pitch Changeup has showed above average at times. That's a very viable third pitch. If he can improve the command for me, it really boils down to fastball command. If he can locate the fastball better, that'll set the tone for everything else. And he can blossom into that number four type starter that he can be.
0: Yeah, what I will say about Abbott is while the percentages may be weird, he's got incredibly repeatable mechanics, which probably means that he feels anything that's not right. And when he's snapping off curveball after curveball, he probably feels the sensation of a perfect curveball and is so in tune with his body because he's been pitching for so long. Like he's a four year guy at Virginia, he logs innings constantly. He probably has this supreme feel for his body where he feels what a perfect curveball feels like in the first inning. And then in the sixth, he can recall that sensation and say, "Okay, let's do it again. So I I think that that could be what's going on here. And when you have that, you have the confidence to manipulate your body ever so slightly, whether Mm -hmm. it's your fingertips, whether it's your wrist, hell, whether it's your glove hand and you can uh, almost alter the shape of it. In other avenues. And I think that's what Abbott does a really good job of, um, you know, and maybe when you're thinking so much about the curveball, the fastball starts to get away. But the fastball is really good. Like you mentioned, he's walking some more guys than I
1: was expecting him. To. Right. That's and that's all in the fastball, man. Like it, he and it got worse as the year went on. He landed the fastball for a strike around 60 percent of the time. That's not great. Numbers got to be higher. Yeah. I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think from that? Because even just like briefly, look, he's not a big dude. He's like six foot, right? And right. Um, he, he gets the most out of his mechanics. Now, like what's interesting is you see guys tick up in Velo, and it usually goes one way or another because sometimes you see the uptick in Velo, and now they trust their stuff in the zone more. And I don't think it's, it's a matter of Abbott not trusting his stuff. I think it's really a matter of not syncing up totally. Maybe it was some adjustments that he's made to to tap into more velo that hasn't totally been able to translate that into now consistently throwing strikes. I'd have to honestly go and, and pair up the UVA mechanics versus the, the professional mechanics, but I find it interesting that this guy sees an uptick in his fastball velocity and actually struggles to locate it a bit more. I, do you have anything on that in, in your mind as – You know, someone that I think can can add a a little bit more color to the pitching side of things.
0: Yeah, I mean, it might not even necessarily be a mechanical thing. Like, you might not see anything mechanically. You might just, and and we would have to ask him to confirm any of this, but it might just be a confidence thing. You know, he, yes, okay, the fastball has performed well. It's got good shape to it, but still, it's 92 to 94. And if you know that your out pitches or your secondary and tertiary pitches, you probably feel... More confident, and it requires less headspace pre releasing the ball to throw those pitches. So, yeah. when number one gets thrown down by whoever's catching him, he's probably saying, Oh, all right, it's hard, but I got to locate this perfectly. And obviously, when you're thinking, I got to locate this perfectly, you're not going to locate it perfectly. Yeah. Um, so, I think that he may honestly just lack some confidence in the fastball as opposed to some other pitches. And that's why you see the other pitches performing well.
1: Which is wild because he should be as confident as ever in that fastball. And, and right. so that's, that's a conversation like, I'd love to have with Andrew Abbott if we ever get a chance to sit down with him during the season because he could probably add to this because this is a guy that as the season went on, by the way, the command of his breaking ball just got silly. Like By by the time we got to his last 10 starts, he was landing the breaking ball for a strike 68% of the time, 70% yeah. of the time almost. Like That is elite stuff. And he was getting big time chase on it. So that breaking ball is going to set the tone for him. If the changeup develops a little bit and the fastball come in, that's the biggest thing for me. Improves to even just average, you got a really nice number four, number five starter that's gonna show you flashes of three caliber stuff when he's on. And I
0: think he's almost a lock to be that four or five starter, which is why you would put him eleven.
1: Exactly. And and really, it's just a testament to the Reds system. Uh, and, and also when we get to 10, it's like ridiculous how you have to compare that guy to uh, the guy that's a number 10 who just yeah. it couldn't be any further apart in, ter- in terms of type of prospect. Uh, right. But that's the nature of the business. Right. Uh, next guy up is, is a left hander that's headed in the, in the opposite direction. And it's been pretty wild. We've talked about it a little bit, but Brandon Williamson. He's he's still a top fifteen prospect on this in the system based on pedigree, based on the fact that he carved up double A in twenty twenty one, right? Like this is a guy that actually shoved in double A in twenty twenty one, then saw his stuff just diminished across the board. I don't know if it's more concerning or less concerning, Jack, that his velo is the same. So we saw his fastball velocity literally, literally to the decimal point exactly the same, but we saw his average. RPMs, you know, which is going to directly uh, impact the life on the fastball down more than 100 RPMs across the board on all of his all of his pitches, his average induced vertical break, which is the life on the fastball down multiple inches, uh, which is three inches of induced vertical break to lose that on your fastball. I've never really seen that. I don't have a lot of reference points, but I can just tell you I've never seen that, um, especially when there's not a, a change in velocity. So it, it's very, very bizarre to me. Um, and guess what happens? We're talking about zone confidence, Jack. This guy sees his fastball quality diminished. He sees his quality of everything diminished aside from the slider, which still was an above-average pitch all year. And he doesn't trust the stuff. What's he start doing? He's nibbling. So now all of a sudden this guy's walking more hitters than we've ever seen. To me, I don't know if there's been a more impressive tightrope act in 2022 than Brandon Williamson somehow pitching to a 4-1 ERA between double and triple A. Because yeah, he I mean- a ton of guys he struck out nobody and he still somehow was able to dance out of catastrophic damage when it comes to the era department but this ain't gonna last if he doesn't fix this um so i'm really interested to see how he comes out in 2023 but this is a six six lefty with history of four or three above average pitches potentially four and now all of a sudden we're looking at one above average pitch last year so i don't really know what to think man yeah, I mean,
0: I mean this in a negative way. Like he didn't have four one ERA stuff. He had five oh. or five and a half ERA stuff, and it, yeah. it wasn't particularly close. No, um, which is weird because this almost the same stuff. Granted, everything was like a hundred RPMs up. Um, took him to a three four, and he could have been better than that. Yeah, Williamson is, I it, dude, I mean, he was just such an odd case this past year because he throws. OK, like 25 more innings that he did in 2021. He strikes out, what, 30 fewer guys in 25 more innings and he walks 40 more guys. It was insane what happened. And I, I watched him the, the way that I watched him throw in triple A. The, the way it made me feel was very, and I, I sound like I'm at therapy right now, the way it makes me feel the way that watching Brandon Williams through made me feel very similar to the way I felt watching Matthew Liberator throw where every single fastball that leaves his hand, your shoulders are tensing and your teeth are clenching and you're sucking in. It's, it's that sensation. It like things may not go well for him right now. Um, yeah. and, and he just didn't exude confidence. Um, it was almost kind of like a Trevor Rogers thing, and, and they've got very similar builds, like almost similar arm slots. They've got different arsenals, but these are tall, lanky lefties that work over the top. Um, but Rogers, you know, there were some starts where I'm sure you watched him in Miami this year where he just lacked total confidence. Matthew yep. Liberato's were lacked total confidence. I don't think Brandon Williamson had any confidence this year. And I mean, with, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm just very curious
1: to see if he comes out with any confidence this year. And, and I think it's hard to have confidence when your fastball gets pummeled to set the tone, right? And that—that's the struggle. Is he actually walked more hitters on his fastball than struck him out? Seventeen percent walk rate on the fastball, sixteen percent strikeout rate. Um, the slider again, only pitch that graded above average. Opponents at three hundred against his fastball this past year, and OPS over nine hundred. So. I, when that's the case, like that's your bread and butter. It doesn't have to be great. We have, there's a lot of really good pitchers with okay fastballs, but it can't be worse than okay. If it's worse than okay, you're going to be in trouble. All he had was that slider. And it was good for him. Uh, Opponents didn't hit well against it. And he struck a lot of guys out at a high chase rate, enough whiff. And that's why at least if everything goes wrong with Williamson, he's a 6'6 lefty that can go out of the bullpen, fastball tick up to the mid-90s, and he'll get you with that slider. But that's not what we want here. This is a guy that I put in the top 100. Like, I'll wear this one. I have no idea where this came from. I was pushing Williamson up there. I was floored with his 2021 season. I was all in. Um, this is one of the more surprising, you know, changes I've seen. Uh, and what's interesting is the changeup flashed above average, too. And I re- I used to really like that pitch again, just nowhere near the zone. And he, he only threw strikes at about a 58, 60 percent clip this past year. It's just not going to fly that way. And uh, just to see the the quality of stuff diminish again, you don't see three inches just subtracted from an induced vertical break on a fastball. I don't know if it was the crackdown on sticky stuff. I don't know if if something happened along the way. I don't know what it was, but if, if he comes back and that that stuff kind of regains and he, and he looks more like 2021 Williamson, then it's a new story. So I'm really interested. And this is a guy that I got to kind of throw my hands up and say, let's just see, let's just find out.
0: Yeah, I mean, credit to the Reds for stockpiling, knowing that they can't rely on anybody because while you do have an Andrew Abbott, who is better than I think you were expecting, while you have a Connor Phillips and a Chase Petty that might have been better than you were
1: expecting, you run into a Williamson situation where they're a little bit worse than you were expecting. And I'm telling you, I think at the time of the deals, I would have confidently said that I thought Williamson would have been better than Chase Petty, but welcome to the world of prospects. A guy with not much variance is Mike Michael Ciani. Uh, Michael Ciani comes in and then still in the top fifteen outfielder who is, is not going to hit for much power. Although the one thing that really stood out to me when in the dive with Ciani is that his pull side power is is almost average, which is a low bar. But when you have plus plus speed, elite defensive potential in center field, he stole fifty two bags on sixty four tries last year fringe average power is enough to make you a regular right now. I think he's is a high end fourth outfielder or a second division starting outfielder with the defensive value he gives you. And um, yeah, especially in a hitters park and can be at least an average hitter. Uh, But what I really like is he walks a lot. He is going to get you a high floor with the speed and the defense and that pull side power is just enough. I think to keep him closer to, you know, that, that, I would say replacement slightly above average replacement level player that versus like the Magnara Sierras of the world. So um Siani, I actually think has, is almost not getting enough credit anymore because of how limited his ceiling is, but we got to give this guy credit for how high his floor is. And I think the ceiling's a little bit higher than he gets credit for.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he had like a, he had a really, really bad 2021 in yeah. high, really bad. Um, If you take this year, it's kind of Kevin Kiermeyer, right? It's 250, 350, 400 slash line. But in the minors. (laughs) But in the minors, right? So (laughs) 750. Kiermeyer is a career 715 OPS guy in 10 major league seasons. But he's a gold glove caliber center fielder. He's going to steal a ton of bags. What was it? 52 for 64 in the stolen base department this year? Yeah. 52 stolen bases for a guy that's a gold glove defender. I mean, worst case scenario, he's Terrence Gore, and he sticks on a roster for a couple of years, right? He's uh, Gerard Dyson. Um, And he's a way better hitter. Yeah, he's a better hitter than Gerard Dyson was. But, I mean, Dyson was like a guy that was being floated for some starting opportunities in his heyday. So, yeah, I don't think he's a starter in the outfield. I think that he is
1: an excellent fourth outfielder. Yeah. 87% 87 percent zone contact is going to put the ball in play and he's going to run. And you again, really like if you can sneak, sneak out 10 homers, that's a second division starter, right? Like we're, we're seeing guys like Jake Fraley get a ton of run. Like yeah, there's I mean, a world where Ciani's a more valuable player with the, the speed, the defense. And if he can just tap into enough to where he's not a, you know, a 275, 330, 360 guy, right? Like if he can get the slug closer to that three ninety four hundred. He's going to get on base. He walks like he's a patient hitter. He doesn't chase. Um, So I like his floor. And I think there's enough ceiling there to make him a relevant prospect.
0: So I know the term bronze sexual is a thing like people that are all about LeBron James. Like if if you're a Fraley sexual, you're not going to like this. But like I think Siani is just Jake
1: Fraley with more sex appeal. I agree. I like him better than Jake Fraley. So, yeah. you know, and I think I think there's a chance that we'll see the Reds start to give Siani a lot of reps and give him opportunity because why not? Right. Uh, and I'm interested to see how he does. Yeah. Two guys that I know Jack is going to have very little on. And I'm out. I might go refill my water while you do this. <laughs> So, the last two in the top 15 are two complex guys. Although Yerlin Confidant did get a little bit of low A looks. We'll start with Carlos Jorge, which, by the way, these are two big league names. I'm going to start with that. Carlos Jorge and Yerlin Confidant. Starting with Carlos Jorge, second baseman, quick Batman. He's 19 years old. He's got A smaller frame, five nine, but packs a punch. He's he's pretty strong, uh, and, and already you know, really able to tap into a good amount of power. He hit seven home runs in 42 complex games last year. Uh, but I was really impressed with how twitchy he was. The arm is fringy, at if if that, um, and that's where I'm struggling with the profile is where is his defensive home? I think ultimately he's either a left fielder that. Yeah, he's an above average runner. So that helps. But left fielder with with a weak arm or he's that bat first second baseman that I think could be a good, at least OK defensively. But it's all about the bat and, and he's got above average speed here and he's 19. So I don't want to limit him to like, you know, pigeonhole him to a certain type of profile. Uh, but I love the swing. I think it's going to continue to get better. He's obviously raw, but I think the swings advanced for his age as his confidants, which I'll get to. And and it's a really quick bat. I assume that you don't really have much to add on on, on Carlos Jorge. No, it looks like he's a, he's a really good hitter. Uh, hit 300 <laughs> with a 420
0: OBP in the DSL and a complex. See, seems awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's done. I call him up. Um, Confidon is a guy that I'm actually I'm, I'm I'm excited for you to get some some more like looks at him because we'll, there'll be some more available video outside of whatever you know we can. Dig up at the complex. Confidant will be at low A the whole season. This guy's got plus plus raw power. He hit a ball 110 miles an hour uh, already last year. Um, His swing is nice. It is, it reminds me a little bit of, of, You know, minus all of the movement pre-swing, but the way that it is just geared for pull side lift is a little bit reminiscent of like a Heston Kerstad where it just lives through the zone and his pull side power is immense. Sure, there's going to be some swing and miss, but I actually think this swing is way more advanced than you'd expect from a guy who just turned 20 years old. He won the complex league MVP by mashing 11 home runs. In like fifty something games in twenty twenty one, and then held his own in Low A in, in a little bit of a cameo. It was actually hundred eleven mile an hour uh, home run that he put up, which again that is crazy. Exavillos for a nineteen year old. I see plus plus raw power, above average defense in a corner. He's got a rocket for an arm, and he actually is an average runner at least, maybe slightly above. This guy has the chance, and of course, I mean, there's a wide range of outcomes. $200 or $200, $200,000 $200, international free agent in 2019. But this guy has a chance to be one of the the big time helium prospects with the kind of power that he has from the left side and a nice defensive profile in a corner.
0: Cool. All right. I see. He could be the second major leaguer ever from Guerra, Dominican Republic. Oh, that's um, actually
1: pretty interesting.
0: Yeah. Jorge is from uh, Puerto Plata in the Dominican Republic, and that's, wascari noah carlos martinez nelson liriano who was the name in the uh in the what in the 90s right tony batista was a name in the late 90s early oh tony batista yeah uh the other nelson cruz um i didn't know there was another nelson cruz there's apparently another El- nelson cruz uh okay. he doesn't even have one of these cards on baseball almanac so just know that there was another nelson cruz who played in 2003 but yeah a ton of guys from puerto plata not many from guerra so uh your lean confidant could be
1: the second. Let's get into the top 10. So Sal Stewart checks in at number 10. And this is a guy that, you know, looks have been limited. He's only played a handful of games professionally, but I loved him going into the draft. This was one of my favorite picks. I thought this was a really nice get for them at 32, uh, big time upside. He's South Florida kid that just mashed through more advanced competition than most high schoolers see on the summer circuit and both in his high school season. Shout out $2.1 million to sign him away from Vanderbilt. He's 6'3, 215 pounds, easy plus raw power. He's pretty much filled out already, but he's already tapping into it. Like I've seen more than enough of him being able to put up some impressive exavilos, you know, in in game like settings, uh, again, in live ABs. I love the way he already controls his body. And, and I think his swing, similar to Confidant, I think the Reds have, have a little bit of a, of a system here where. We're seeing them you know, with these high upside, lower level hitters. A lot of them, I think their swings are, are pretty far along compared to a lot of the other guys that I see. Instead of like tools all over the place, let's hope that the swing comes together. A lot of the complex guys that I'm seeing in this red system are swing is pretty far ahead and you're hoping on power. Maybe not as many other complementary tools, but I kind of like that because – that's the object of the game, and there's already so much variance in these, you know, lower level prospects, these complex league guys, these, uh, you know, at, at the rookie ball levels or draft guys out of high school, whatever you want to, you know, categorize it. IFA high school guys all kind of similar. I like going after the advanced swings, and Sal Stewart's an advanced swing.
0: Yeah, um, I, I knew Westminster Christian. Yes. looked Looks familiar. Um, that's that's where Sal Stewart went was taken what 2022 2018 anthony villar was was a name that jumped out a shortstop but i said there, there's other intrigue right mj melendez was taken out of westminster christian in 2017 uh, alex rodriguez of course in 93 noted gold glove first baseman and 2004 world series champ doug minkevich and everybody's favorite former tv analyst and current member of the coaching staff of the
1: syracuse mets JPR and CBA is also a Westminster Christian <laughs> school alum. I know. I know he's one of your favorites, uh, but yeah, Stuart looks limited. Love the upside. Well, I'm really excited to see if hopefully a full season from him this year. Number nine, a guy who's probably made one of the bigger jumps in these updated rankings. It's Connor Phillips and Connor Phillips really struggled with the command, but man, dude, this stuff is just too good to deny. And... What it boiled down to for me, and we, we had some GIF issues, so for those watching on YouTube. And by the way, if you're uh, listening on the podcast, please give us a rating. Uh, I always say this at the end. I, I had to start doing it a little bit earlier. Please give us a rating. Leave a review. It helps us grow the show immensely and, and really appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button and like the video and, and help us grow this thing. Just hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you for that. And again, the write-ups are linked in the podcast description for you to follow along and check out the GIFs. No gift for Connor Phillips because our friends at Giffy Cat uh, stalling out today. I don't know what was going on, but it wasn't was working. So yeah. couldn't pull up the mechanics. I want you to pull up the mechanics while while we're talking here uh, because this was something that kind of separated uh, Phillips from being outside of the top 10 to now being, you know, the number nine prospect in a very talented red system. I'll start with the stuff and then we'll get to the mechanics and why I think he can improve upon what was, let's be honest, a, not a good year. Command-wise, he has ridiculous stuff across the board. It's a fastball that is going to be easily plus. The only reason I don't have a plus grade on it is command. And I think we're too frequently seeing command not baked into these pitch grades, which is frustrating because that has to matter, right? Otherwise, it'd be a a no-brainer plus fastball, right? He, He sits 96 with it. He was 96 to 98 last year, touched 100. With the fastball. Like, this is a really, really good fastball. It's just about location. He got a ton of whiffs on it. His slider is plus. It's a presently above average flash is plus. It's mid 80s sharp. And when he locates it, I mean, it is impossible to hit. Curveball above average, really solid pitch plenty of swing and miss too, and then the changeup is way off. I mean, I, he might even scrap that eventually and then try to separate the two breaking balls a little bit more. But, I mean, dude, this this three-pitch mix of the fastball, slider, and curveball is really damn good. It is.
0: It's really, really good. And, you know, I, I've i loved watching Connor Phillips. Um, you know, there are not many, like, iffy command guys that I truly love watching. the The way you bypass that is by having elite stuff. And that's why Dylan Cease has become an all-time watch for me because, yes, while he does struggle with command more than anybody at the major league level, what he does stuff-wise is absolutely crazy. I'm not saying that Connor Phillips is Cease. I'm not saying that he has the ability to sniff Cease when it comes to stuff. But what I am saying is this guy has 97 that can live really well at the top of the zone. He can snap off an excellent slider, and he's got a pretty good curveball that he's working on. Yeah, Mechanically, Everything works towards home plate until he gets tired. I think Um, the way he looks early in starts and the way he looks later in starts are pretty different guys. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't even know if you can confirm, but I bet you the bulk of his walks come later in game because at the beginning of the game, he is working downhill. He's working mound to plate. He's finishing in line with home plate. He's falling off to the first base side a lot. He's very inconsistent with where he plants. And you see that more later in starts as he works through. So I bet you it's just a matter of building up and building up and building up. And he's a young guy. He's 21 years old. Like a 23-year-old is going to be better at staying true to their mechanics in the sixth inning than a 21-year-old.
1: Well, and so what did you kind of see? What I saw was a little bit of like falling off to his glove side. Um, yeah. What, yeah. I mean, it's what I love is that y- you hit on some really important points here is this is a guy that I don't think is that far off from making the the tweaks that he needs to make to, to at least have averaged or close to average command. And and he doesn't like you said with Dylan Cease. we're not comparing him to Dylan Cease, but that's like the gold standard of elite stuff. And like the command is still isn't even totally there for Dylan Cease, And he's a Cy Young runner up. Right. I want you to answer this question. Cause I know this was one of the surprises for you um, in the rankings. Were you expecting the commit or the, the mechanics to be more erratic than they were a little bit? Yeah. A little That's bit. Good.
0: Cause um, I was too.
1: But the more I watched, I'm like, man, these really aren't bad. And I think he can get it to where it needs to be. And he showed flashes. I don't have the first time through the lineup and whatever, but he had some starts where it was dynamite, like yeah. lights out, didn't walk that many guys. So, like, he showed us flashes of, of of what I think he can be, which is a top 100 arm, no doubt. I think he had a
0: couple of 10 strikeout games. Like, I think he ran it up to, like, 12 or 13 punchouts in, in a start, at least um, in high A. But, I mean, this guy, like – He is, yeah, he's a lot more mechanically sound than I was expecting him to be. Um, And also, like, there's nothing that gets away from him at any point except for the landing. Like, I I just think his weight is working glove side. It's falling off first base side after he plants. So I I think if if he's able to channel some of that, like, exhausted energy and put it towards making a concerted effort to finish towards the plate as opposed to the first base side that could solve a lot of late inning
1: command issues 100% and i think he's got number 3 upside top 100 prospect upside if if he can make those tweaks 21 years old, very important note as well. So at 21 years old, uh, this guy's got a lot of time to figure it out and already, already has some action at the AA level. So uh, I'm excited to see what Connor Phillips does this upcoming season, uh, but I think he could be an absolute force if, if he can you know, at least get that command closer to 40 grade than 30 grade. Let's get to a big-time masher at number eight, and that's Christian Encarnacion Strand. This dude had a season of all seasons. When we talk about just power output, 32 home runs in 122 games, he was part of that return uh for Tyler Malley. And wh- what I love about CES is it didn't really matter where he was, right? Like he was in high a, um, Hit a bunch of home runs there And he gets traded He's in double A Hits a bunch of home runs there And I think I don't know if he was traded Split up between high A And that's where he was On two different teams But it didn't matter He was uh, technically On three different teams And just continuously hit bombs Uh, This is really easy 70 raw power But what I love about it Is that it is already Directly translating into games This guy backspins baseballs As well as anybody And by that I mean He lifts the ball and he lifts the ball with carry part of that's because he has a 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity, which always helps. The other part is that he just has the field of backspin baseballs, 13 home runs of at least 420 feet. Jack. Uh, you don't see that very often. And what I love even more so is that he really improved his defense at third base. Biggest concern for him is that he can get a little long at times. And that's part of the reason why he generates so much leverage. So it's, it's a catch 22. Um, but he that's really the only thing is he could get tied up by running fastballs in on his hands you know two seamers that would tie him up a little bit high velo would 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 affect him a little bit but he doesn't miss mistakes he doesn't miss fastballs left over the middle and i mean he, he pretty much hit home runs against all types of pitches the one issue is just getting tied up by velo a little bit and i think that's something that will leave him exposed to higher strikeout rates but if that's his biggest weakness i still think he'll hit enough home runs and be powerful enough to be a productive big leaguer. Yeah, 100%. If you didn't know
0: his name and i didn't know his name, this was a name that you learned in may of this past year because he started so well. Um and, and i mean he was top 10 for some reason the research portal isn't populating for me right now, but um for some like he was top 10 in almost every power category. And you think of yeah. the guys like Mervis and Vaughn Brown and Moises Gomez and Alexander Canario and Michael Bush and Will Brennan. Encarnacion Strand was in the same breath as all those guys this year. So when you think best performers in minor league baseball, Ellie De La Cruz, Andy Rodriguez, Christian Encarnacion Strand was absolutely there. So when you saw that he was moved as part of the Mali deal, you know, I, I think a lot of minor league followers and a lot of Fringy prospect people like not as well ingrained as you. I'd say I'd say my level right where they keep really close tabs on minor league baseball, but they're not, you know, watching Christian Encarnacio and Encarnacion on a weekly basis. Even like <laughs> they're just checking in to see how many homers he he's at and where he sits on the minor league leaderboards, you know, once a month or so. When you saw that his name was being moved, you said, wow, this guy had a really good year so far. Maybe this is real. And I
1: think it's real. I think the power is real. 100%. And and the the one thing, though, he needs to improve his approach. And, and it's amazing that he actually hit for as high of an average that he hit last year, um, given how aggressive he was. This is a guy that chased a lot, man. Like, he swung at a lot of stuff. 37, 38% chase rate, somewhere in that range is, is really, really high. Um, but even with that, to, to hit, I think what was three hundred four when it's all said and done, three hundred five uh, over over the course of the season. That's extremely impressive. So I think if we see him improve the aggressiveness and walk a little bit more, that's going to hedge the imminent you know swing and miss concerns that'll come with you know just the struggles against super high velo and, and fastballs that run in on him. That's something that everybody has their blue zones, which I mentioned in the write up. I think he can circumvent those blue zones with elite power elite game power that he's already tapping into and it's foul pull to foul pull, man. Like yeah. it is legitimately, he will miss hit baseballs as I get out of great American ballpark. And I did a, a, a little scatter plot. And I believe that if he played all of his games in great American ballpark, which of course is unrealistic, I couldn't do it on only home games. It would have been too complicated, but he would have had like 45 home runs last year. So like that just shows you even cut the bonus of from 32, like cut it in half he would have had 38, 39, right? So this is a guy that legitimately could hit 40 home runs. Um, And even if it comes at a 230, 240 batting average, if he can walk more, I love the profile way more. But the fact that he improved as much as he did at third base, I think is huge because instead of talking about a first base DH guy that we're praying he can hit. Now we're talking about a guy that he can get by at third. That helps the profile big time. And, And I think he can at least be an average defender at third. Are are you worried about the defensive home? Like you, you think you I was play? way more. This was a fun dive. He got way better, man. Like he laterally moves really well. He's got a big arm at third. He, he does, a does have better. a big arm. I was floored at how well he moved. Like it was okay. it was bad at the I looked at some of the older video, especially in JUCO and stuff. He's gotten way better. And there's a reason why the Reds played him almost exclusively at third. You'll get he a dozen games at first. Nobody else is watching JUCO tape of Christian and strand. No yes. one else. No, I so weird. His feet were heavy, man. It was a little <laughs> Nick Castellanos-esque. Um, but, man, testament to him. And that's when you can't relegate guys that are, like, younger than 25. Like, they can get better when it comes to to you know, their ability to move their feet. And Except Austin Hendrick. He can't get better. No, no. He's done at 21. No, leave he's, him he's so good. Number seven, Chase Petty. I'm, like, in on this guy, and I think he's probably going to be a top 100 prospect, man. Like, as we iron out the top 100 list with the, the graduators and, and all of these things, the Reds might have seven top 100 prospects, and Chase Petty might be the seventh. I love this dude, man. Like, to to be the 100-mile-an-hour thrower that, you know, we're like, oh, shit, okay, well, is is he going to you know be able to stay healthy? Is he going to be able to throw strikes? All of these questions. To end up being – more of the low to mid 90s guy that gets a ton of ground balls still has the banger slider and already is flashing an above average change up like are you are you kidding me that no one expected this this is a viable three pitch mix already flashing good command and he carved through low a and then was was pretty solid in high A. what i loved the most and i tweeted this is how damn confident this guy is on the mound he's got that like you talk about bully ball. He's not built like it. He's 6'1", 190. He's one of the more athletic pitchers I've seen too, and I'm sure you can speak to that, and I'll, I'll play the gif because this one works here. Uh, but really athletic, loose arm, and he. I watched him hang a slider, man. Like should have been hit 500 feet. And it's the pitch before this gif right here actually where it was a hanger, should have been hit 500 feet by Kyler Fedco. Guess what? He goes right back to the slider and this time buries it, and Fedco swings right through it right over it, I should say, for strike three. This slider is a 70-grade pitch once he commands it a little bit better. Fastball, I think, will be plus as he commands it a little bit better. And the changeup, I think, will be an above-average pitch. That's a three-pitch mix that plays, and the command looks like it's going to at least be average with with a chance to be better. Let's get one thing very clear. This is a different
0: pitcher than the one the Twins drafted at the end of the first round when they took Chase Petty. the The Chase Petty that they took was... Eye black on the mound, 102, where is it going? No idea. He was the one throwing the viral bullpens next to Jack Leiter. That's the guy they took. This Chase Petty is a real major league prospect pitcher. He's not a thrower anymore. He figured out that if you abandon the effort, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can mentality and turn into a chess player, um, he can be really, really good because he does have that 101 athleticism. I like 94-95 Chase Petty a lot more than I like 101-102 Chase Petty. That's for damn sure. Um, I love that you highlight this pitch. I saw your tweet about it, right? It it shows, you know, that foul ball and the coulda, shoulda, woulda face that the hitter has. And all of a sudden, Petty goes right back to it because he learned from his body on that last one. Yeah. What did I do that wasn't right? Let me go make it right. That's what athleticism does for you on the mound because you have the ability to slow your mind down and follow each little movement that your body makes. And you can feel the change tangibly guarantee you chase Petty. If he did remember this two pitch sequence, he can tell you exactly what he felt physically from pitch number one to pitch number two. And that my friends is how a pitcher is
1: born. And I bet he remembers it Jack, because like you said, it, I didn't even think about it from that lens. I thought about it from the lens of confidence. But you, you think about it, and I think you, this is even more important than confidence: ability to adjust between pitches on the mound. We're talking about a 19-year-old here, right? This is not a, a a big leaguer, you know, a vet here. It's a guy in his first pro season, really, um, that is adjusting between pitches. And what I also love is his changeup is his third pitch, and and you know, distant third. And I, I think it's he's closed the gap drastically and now it's it's you know not too far behind as a third pitch but i watched this guy just relentlessly starting off hitters with that change up like he didn't care he wanted to work on it and that's where i talk about the fearlessness but same thing jack like he didn't locate it the first time Hold double up on it he didn't care like i don't think this guy was worried about results last year at all i i think the results came but if you look at the high a numbers I don't think they tell the story. This was a kid pitching fearless, looking to get better, and that was able to have this instant feedback, which I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. You can't really teach that stuff. And I think he's got that that mentality on the mound. You can just see it. And I'm really just, just kind of falling in love with this guy as a pitching prospect more and more because it's those little things beyond the fact that we're talking about a, a supreme athlete on the mound as well, and he's 19. So you can teach the mentality of doing that. Like you can teach
0: the mentality of what did you feel? Why did it go poorly? What can you change? Yeah. But very few guys have the ability to make the change one pitch later in a bullpen with their pitching coach standing right next to them. And only a select few on the planet have the God-given ability to make that change immediately in game when they know that every single result of every single pitch matters. Yep. And Petty is on the short list of guys. I think at the major league level, a guy that does that really well is Marcus Stroman. I think Stroman does an exceptional job of that because Stroman, by no stretch, has the nastiest stuff in any rotation that he's in. Eh, you know what? Maybe calm. the Cubs. Like The Cubs yeah. have a bunch of nasty guys. But... You know, like you look at that Blue Jays rotation, you could argue that Aaron Sanchez, when it was peak Aaron Sanchez, had better stuff than Marcus Stroman did. But what Stroman does so well is he puts everything where he needs to put it so he doesn't get hurt. And he can feel that in his body because he's such an athletic guy on the mound and
1: he can make changes on a pitch by pitch basis. I think that's where Petty's strongest suit is. And you're talking about two guys. I mean, he's taller than Strowman, who's like 5'7. But yeah, but Petty is generous for Petty. He's probably closer to six foot flat, 5'11. It's a pretty good comp in terms of supreme athlete on the mound. Good feel for their body. I also want to hit on a couple really key data points near 60% ground ball rate on that sinker. Bowling Um, ball. Bowling ball. The the slider is disgusting. 20% swinging strike rate. Thirty plus percent chase rate, like gross. And then the changeup, dude. This guy got so confident with his changeup by by the end of the year. Pretty much over his last twenty starts, fifteen to twenty starts, he was throwing it more than than really almost any other pitch at times to lefties. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I have just pulled it up. He threw it more than his fastball against lefties. You think this guy was was on a mission to get that pitch to where it needs to be? He was throwing it more than his fastball against left-handed hitters, and to a high degree of success. Left-handed hitters below 200 against his changeup last year. So next up is number six on the list. And I'm sure most of you all are going to peek and already check this, but we'll save Spencer steer and the rest of the top 100 prospects, because these are all guys that were on the 2022 final update. We'll save the top 100 prospects for the next episode, which will be out Just after this, you know, it'll be out right basically by the time you're listening to this first episode, I will probably release the second audio version. But as we already get to the hour mark with how loaded the system is, figured it makes more sense to split it into two. Part two will be out very shortly with those top six prospects we want to give. Some of the really exciting guys at the top here, specifically the alien that is Ellie De la Cruz. They're due. So look out for that episode out shortly after this one. Hope you enjoyed part one of this two part with the red system. Look forward to part two with you. Later.